Hello, welcome back to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast Extra with myself, Jess Percival, the wonderful Tim Cameron Kitchen, and the wonderful Andy Miles, who is also joining us today. Today, we are going to be talking about the AI tools that most marketing and sales teams probably aren't using yet. If you didn't already know, we are very, very into AI at Exposure Ninja. We're definitely testing it out, figuring out how it's going to impact marketers and also figuring out how it's going to help marketers, how it's going to change SEO, but also how it can make Hello. our lives easier. Welcome to the stream, Tim and Andy. Hello. Thanks for having us. Very, very welcome. Yeah, as always, Tim is always here. Never turns off, never leaves. It's been leaves. a while since I um, was here. Maybe like <laughs> I think it's been a while yeah, since I was here. Maybe like on this. a year and a half, maybe since I was last on this. Amazing. And since then, you've gone into a new role where you've been pioneering sort of our AI sister company. Hence, why we've we've pulled you into this podcast to get all your insider knowledge. And it would be great to know straight off the bat, Andy. What are some of the AI tools that you're using in your marketing? or just that you think marketers should know so about? For me, I am I use Claude too extensively. Um, and I love it. I was a chat GPT person, and then I kind of gradually shifted over to Claude once I started to use it. I think that's because I tend to create a lot of content, um, like written content, and I found that Claude has a much more natural language than chat GPT. And you'll, if you listen around in the AI space at the moment, you'll hear a lot of people talking about how they can quickly identify chat GPT content just by reading it. And they're pointing it out on websites. And I think I've also noticed that as well, whereas Claude is a lot more natural. Um, and I use it daily. It has been, literally become my co-pilot for work. Like whenever I want to, you know, come up with ideas, whenever I'm, uh, I've got a specific project I'm working on and I want to find out how should I approach this project, it's not going to give you a definitive answer to everything you need, but it, in terms of just giving you structure and making you organized to work on something, I think it's brilliant. And then any content it does create, in my personal opinion, tends to be a bit better than what ChatGPT puts out. So that is my main tool that I use. Nice, nice. I've definitely seen people say that um, Claude sometimes feels like a toned down chat GPT, but they mean that as a compliment because if you ask it to be friendly and expressive, it doesn't take things up to a hundred. It takes them up to like a normal human level. Tim, what have you been using a lot of recently? Um, I also use Claude, but I find myself using chat GPT more, but maybe, maybe my, um, my use cases are different to Andy, so I'm not using it to generate content much. I find I, I prefer brainstorming with ChatGPT. I find its ability to, I don't know, uh, spot patterns and things and apply those patterns to new situations. So, you know, whether I'm reviewing finances of a company and I want to understand how it can like adapt and learn from other businesses, you know, th that type of thing. I, I find, um, I find chat GPT, I personally prefer it, but I think it's interesting, isn't it? That we're, we're developing our best sort of AI friends. We're finding our own tools that sort of resonate with us on a personal level. Cause another thing that I've noticed about Claude is that answers tend to be way more concise. And Andy, I would say that you are more direct as a person than I am. So I'm just wondering if there's a bit more sort of personality matching there as well. It'd be really interesting to see how these uh, our relationships with these tools change. I've never thought about it like that, but that's uh, could be true. Could be true. 
I did say that just before we joined the stream that I'm not using Claude as much as ChatGPT because I feel like me and ChatGPT are like little pals, we're little friends. And um, so moving over to Claude, I'm like, oh, this is a new voice. This is a new kind of, yeah, I'm not, I'm not so sure. Um, Andy, Claude and ChatGPT, I feel like a bit are quite well known. Are there any AI tools that you've been using, like personally, that maybe people haven't heard of before? So one of the latest rivals to ChatGPT and Claude is uh, a tool named Perplexity. And I've been cheating on Claude with Perplexity for the past week or so, I have to admit. Um, and I do really like it. And there's um, there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, perplexity is uh, it's a bit more like ChatGPT, um, but you can actually add files, which is really good. The language is similar to Claude in terms of it feels when it generates content for you, it feels like a human has actually written that. Whereas like you were saying about ChatGPT, I always find the content produced by ChatGPT is very eccentric and kind of like it uses all these sorts of and, and Claude just seems a little bit more natural. Um, so perplexity is a rival. Key differences are really the responses are more natural. You can attach files, whereas you can't do with ChatGPT. I know that ChatGPT have just announced that with their latest update to uh, ChatGPT4, that you will be able to attach files, which is great. But the big, big difference with Perplexity is that it has access to the internet for current information as of now, I believe. Don't hold me to that, but this is what I've been reading, is that it accesses the internet and has current information. Whereas ChatGPT, I still think, is working from information back from the end of 2021. And um, although that may have updated recently, uh, and Claude 2 is about March 2023. So the fact that you can quickly access the internet um, with perplexity is a big bonus. And I know a lot of people in the AI space are talking about perplexity. Um, another reason for that is it has two different functions which you can toggle between. So the first one is like your standard chatbot where you can ask it questions and you can do research but then you can toggle there you can just see it on the screen it says co-pilot and that's more for planning and analysis um so to plan a holiday or you wanted to analyze data you can use the co-pilot version i've not tested this enough to understand if there's a big difference between its default and co-pilot so it's something i'm testing at the moment but a lot of people are talking about perplexity and i think it's definitely going to be arrival to chat gpt and claude um so yeah and perplexity is free to use as well similar pricing if you want to go to the advanced one um, as chat gpt4 um so i would have a play around that with that for yourselves and and see what you think again like you're saying Jess, it's another ai assistant it's got its own slightly different voice so whether you want to get into that into a new tool is you know it's really up to you yeah very very interesting it is it is great to see that people are competing with ChatGPT and are maybe making it a bit more streamlined for, for their use. Um, Tim, are there any AI tools that you've been using maybe that aren't these kind of chatbot type things, but just make your day-to-day -day life easier? Um, I guess that there's, there's a couple of them. I spend quite a bit of time in calls and uh, trying to remember of what's happened in a phone call um so there's a great the grain tool grain.ai which is a little recorder that sits in your meetings with you or can sit in your meetings with you transcribes the call um but then at the end also gives you a summary of the main points from the call and then you can click on those to go back to that section of the call I find that really interesting um because 
you know, for my particular brain, once I'm out of the call, it's almost as if the call never happened, right? Whereas this is a sort of, a, it's like a, a co-pilot second brain um, that allows you to go back. And along those sorts of lines, I actually really quite like the Bard plus Google Docs integration where you can use, I mean, we haven't even spoken about Google Bard. I feel Google Bard's like had a bit of a rough ride, hasn't it? Because it's actually a reasonable tool, but just people just don't seem to notice it. Um, but the Google Bard and Docs integration where you can, um, give it access to your Google Docs, and then it can go and crawl through those docs and give you answers based on those docs. I, f I find that really useful. I use that probably a only a couple of times a week, but in situations where maybe I want to dig through transcripts with a you know potential business acquisition or something, and I want to ask, oh, there, there's some question that I've forgotten the answer to, and I want it to go and scan through all the transcripts of previous calls. I find that to be really useful. Um, it's patchy. It's not, it's not perfect. And I think at the moment it still only works on personal accounts. So what I have to do is give my personal Google account access to my professional Google accounts docs, and then go to my personal version of Bard, which is just really ugly and messy. Um, but still that ability to sort of cycle through a massive amount of knowledge and, and give me answers. Like I just, I really love. Yeah, that's really great. I haven't had the chance to try it myself, but I can definitely see how useful that would be for sure. Um, Andy, you've mentioned Claude quite a bit before we get on to sort of some of the other tools that you've seen people using. Um, what we've had a question on on our live stream, which you can watch every Tuesday at um, twelve p.m. I was like, is it one? Is it one? I blame daylight savings. Um, yeah, the clocks went back exactly. Um, but yeah, we've had a question. What makes Claude? shifting over worth shifting over to from chat gpt because i'm one of these people as well um who i feel like i just know chat gpt i know how it works what could make me leave my best friend chat gpt and move to claude i think the more i talk about the difference between these two tools the more i'm realizing is a lot of it is personal preference like tim was mentioning before like how he just feels like chat gpt is maybe better for what he needs it for and I think Claude, I I use Claude to generate a lot of content, uh, whether it's copywriting um, or social posts. And it's for me, it can pick up my tone of voice a lot quicker than ChatGPT. And it makes the whole process a lot more efficient for what I'm trying to do. I think the only way to shift from Claude, the only reason to shift to Claude from ChatGPT is if you use Claude, you trial it, see what you think. And if you like it, then you stick with it. I think we are moving into a world where I think the plan is for everybody to have their own AI assistant and where, who that AI assistant is, we're not sure yet. And Google may, you know, blow the whole industry up with whatever they release in the next couple of months. So I think it's all going to come down to personal preference. Which one do you connect with better and which one is helping you to do your jobs better? Um, so you just got to trial them and test them out for yourself. I think, um, put it through, put through a, a few of your basic tasks that you do regularly and, see the try and see the difference in the results and then choose choose the tool for you yeah i would agree i think one of claude's strengths is its massive context window and andy you mentioned their tone of voice i think tone of voice is something that's been really difficult to get over with any of these chatbots they all struggle with tone of voice because as humans it's very difficult to sort of uh quantify tone of voice how do you describe someone's tone of voice you, you it's actually a very difficult thing to do you can say oh we're a bit friendly we're a bit fun we're a bit personable but then like you said Jess, they all sort of go overboard whereas 
Claude has such a massive context window, meaning you can upload huge documents to it. So here's one where I, I uploaded the entire how to get to the top of Google, which is written in our tone of voice. And I worked with it to produce a, a piece of content about SEO competitor analysis, but asking it to basically take information from the book. And I've got to say that the writing here is by far the closest tone of voice match to anything that you know would come from me or Explosion Ninja of any tool that I've seen, which is kind of unsurprising given that it's got like, I don't know, 60,000 words of tone of voice reference material. But even so, I think that shows us a future where having these tools trained on what we've said, what we've written in the past is going to allow us to get much better to replicating that than the standard sort of, it feels like ChatGPT, every blog post starts and ends the same way when it's been written on ChatGPT. Once you've done it a few times, you're like, right, this has clearly been written by ChatGPT. You know, we get the job applications where the cover letters are written by ChatGPT. And it's it's immediately obvious. They're not fooling anyone at all because like Andy said, it's so transparent. So I think larger context windows, being able to train on more data, I, I would expect that this will be one of the battlegrounds of these AI tools in future and will help make the output much more useful. Definitely. Yeah, I think it's... Um... I think, yeah, what you said there about it being very obvious when it's written in ChatGPT, you can always tell because there's always some lines in there where they say it's like when you do this and this happens, they always have a it's like in there. And I'm always like, oh, ChatGPT, I can smell you a mile off. Yeah, I think it's it's quite off-putting. I think um, a use for AI that we're, I feel like marketers aren't talking about enough is the capabilities in terms of having a personal assistant built into your website to help your customers through their journey and help them find what they need to find, whether their questions show that they're not quite ready to buy. So you can direct them towards blogs, because even though we have all these conversations about the buyer journey, the buyers don't really know they're in that journey. They don't know that they're not ready to buy a thing, but we know, you know, that if they come on our website, look at the products or services and haven't had that education, they're just going to kind of get confused and leave. So I think I'm really looking forward to more marketers incorporating that into their websites. I think it's going to have to be, you know, once we've seen how how Google's Gemini pulls that data, like Tim said, from um, the duet where it works with you in your Google Docs and pulls data, when that starts getting a bit more refined, I think then we can kind of, you know, I can really see that. I can really, really see that working. I think it's going to be, yeah, it's huge. I think it's going to be massive. I completely agree. I've been playing with a tool called Sales Ape, and it's it seems pretty new. It seems pretty early, but it's like a it's an AI powered sales agent, I guess, that you can just you talk to it via via email. So it's like a little chatbot, but it, it allows you to if if a customer comes onto your potential customer comes onto your website, they can just start a conversation with it, and then it has a conversation with you via email. You can ask it what seems to be a pretty unlimited number of questions and it will use whatever training data it's being given to answer those questions, but not just in a passive way. It's also trying to move you along the sales journey. So it's it's not just the, you know, I'm going to be responsive. I'm going to ask answer whatever question and leave you to it. It's That's like a customer service agent, whereas this is more like a sales agent that has a very clear goal for you. And I think playing with this has made me realize that actually 
you know, they say that a lot of sales is about rapport and, and all that type of stuff. Yes, to an extent, but actually a huge percentage of sales is just about getting the information that you need in order to be able to make a decision. And for that component of the sales process, some of these AI chatbots are perfectly adequate at being able to do that. So I think it'll be interesting to see how that sort of encroaches. Someone asked us, are there any good tools for SDRs? I think, yes, some some SDRs may look at this type of thing and think, ooh, <laughs> this is scary. Um, I'm not sure what the future of my role looks like. Could you expand on that acronym for SDR? Uh, yes, a sales development representative. Ah, uh, so, okay. You know, like, yeah, cold callers and that type of thing. And I think um, and you. you've, you've got so you've been doing some tests with, uh, with AI tools for lead generation, haven't you? And you've got some really interesting case studies of, of some of these tools being able to generate really huge leads and quite quickly and easily as well. Yeah, I can I can talk about that now if, if you're happy yeah, to. Yeah. That'd be so awesome. The, yeah, please do. That tool is called Apollo. And it was actually recommended to me by a previous client of mine who said, wow, we've just generated some massive leads with our new sales rep uh, through this tool called Apollo. And I was like, okay, well, I'll check it out. Um, essentially, it is, it's a sales outreach platform with AI features. And the AI, the AI only really kicks in when you're trying to design the email sequences that you want to start, because you're essentially cold emailing um, prospects. So you have all the filtering capabilities, so you can really dig in who you're targeting, their, their job titles, where they're located, how much they're earning, you know, really get specific on your targeting. Um, and then when you generate your emails, there's an AI assistant but the AI is working off uh, email formats that it knows have been successful of higher rates of success in the past. And what you'll find is a lot of that is about nurturing. So it's about providing something of value and then going through a sequence of emails of giving them more information and getting them to a point where you've built authority with those prospects. And I think it's really important if you're cold emailing anyone that you're giving them something of value straight off the bat. It's not, you, you're not just trying to hard sell someone because they'll just ignore your email. So Apollo, the AI feature kind of tries to guide you on that and say, rather than trying to hard sell, try this technique instead. Tell us what you're trying to do by prompting us and we'll generate an email that, that you can send out. Again, with all AI tools, sense check what it's generated before you start sending out to people because it, they do, you know, hallucinate, which is a term for AI gener generative uh, tools where they make stuff up or they use data or quotes that don't exist. So just sense check everything. But I personally have had success with Apollo AI. So if you're a sales rep or you're a you know, marketing salesperson, then I would definitely give it a shot. The pricing is pretty good for what you can do. There's limitations on how many emails you can send per day. But even just within a month, I generated some really good leads based in the UK, um, which we're now nurturing. So yeah, give it a shot. I've I've got a question about this type of thing, Andy. And, and I know that yeah. you've been playing with these tools and, and also talking to a lot of businesses that have been using these over the previous months. But it seems to me like tools like Apollo are designed for, you know, people's email inboxes. And as soon as the number of cold outreach emails that people can send is significantly higher. So, you know, Apollo allows what, 120,000 emails to be sent out. So, you know, as soon as one sales rep is able to send 120,000 emails out and we could potentially tailor some of them using the AI, people's email inboxes become challenged. 
And, you know, it's the same with, I know there's a, there's a LinkedIn tool as well. That's a Taplio. That's a similar sort of thing where it allows you to create LinkedIn posts and allows you to comment on LinkedIn posts using AI. It's another tool that's designed for a human social network. And as the amount of AI content increases, do you think we're going to get to a stage where LinkedIn is a place where people's AI posts content, other people's AI replies to the content and the humans are a sort of sideshow to this AI world that's just going on in, in a corner of the internet? I think it'll be exactly like iRobot. I think that's the whole thing. It's just going to be taking over the world. I do think there is a risk. If you go on Twitter, so Twitter is really big for AI. There's a lot of people on there talking about it. Everything is AI generated and everybody's doing the exact same thing and selling the same product and pushing the same you know, pr products to everybody. I do think there is a risk of us moving to a place where everything is AI generated, but I would argue that anything that is just AI generated isn't going to be that effective. It's not the solution. It's just to guide you. It's to inspire you to create better quality content, better emails, better blogs. It still needs your human touch and it still needs expertise as well. That's a big one that a lot of people, anybody can pick up AI and generate content or design emails or whatever it is you still need to have your expertise from that discipline to understand whether it's actually good and whether it will actually work. And I think that's a really important point to make that it is an assistant, it's a, it's a guide. It's not, it's not you know, gonna create perfect content for you, perfect emails that work every time. I think that's a that's a really good warning for people as well. I remember in the, in the manager meeting that we, that we just had up in Nottingham, I hope I'm attributing it correctly, but Nick, our head of PPC, I'm pretty sure I remember her saying she actually was um, cautioning the PPC team not to become too over-reliant on AI tools because actually what she doesn't want is them to be using AI so much that they don't actually build that understanding of a client's business that only comes from doing reps, doing that manual sort of research work. Yes, you can get ChatGPT to, or if we look at job applications, yes, you can get ChatGPT to write your CV, write your cover letter for you, but then you get that job. And if actually you didn't really have those skills or you didn't really understand that thing, you just presented as someone who understood this stuff, is that going to lead to a happy life in a job that maybe you actually don't have the skills for? And I think there is that danger, isn't there, that people become so over-reliant on ChatGPT that it never actually, the information never actually enters their brain at all and they become sort of useless other than a, a chat gpt prompter which is very easy to replace yeah definitely something um a, a vision of the future i just had with your what you were saying about linkedin was that um if you're not careful you'll be nurturing a really really the biggest lead you've ever had and building that bond with them through linkedin without realizing and you'll bump into them at an event and they'll say hello to you and you won't know who they are and it's you then you just lose the biggest client you've you've ever ever had um one thing i've been looking to into recently which isn't specifically ai related but it's the concept of of having a second brain right in that human beings we can't remember everything so andy what triggered this thought was you were talking about for instance email templates right um and sort of using these frameworks that get great results and I think that's that's really where AI shines in that you have that creativity side and the AI guides you on to how to turn 
that creativity into something that fits these effective frameworks. And I do really, really like that idea. Like I know if I'm just having a total empty brain moment where I'm just like, I just do not remember what SEO even stands for. I can go, that's not quite that extreme. I can go to ChatGPT and just be like, look, I'm trying to write a blog about SEO. My mind's gone blank. Can you just give me some prompts? That is so, so useful to me. And actually I've been using Claude for that. So I am, I am starting to become a Claude convert um, because I feel like Claude just gives me something a bit more straightforward that I can then, use to add our tone of voice to them and make make more exciting um but yeah we kind of talked about about email briefly but how can we use ai tools for email creation not necessarily just sort of writing the emails but are there other capabilities there too do you think i don't know if either of you have had experience with this but one of the commenters on the live stream would very much like to know i think um planning your sequences um is a good what is a good one like if you put into what you're trying to achieve through the sequence it can give you a really good structure on how to approach it in terms of there are certain methods that work better than others in terms of you know your initial email which is like thank you for say downloading something or thank you for looking at something then providing a bit more information about yourself in the next one maybe then offering something of value for free on the third one you could ask the ai tool to follow certain frameworks for developing the email sequences again that is just inspiring you to then go and create that content and yes it can draft the email content however with email and i think you'll probably agree with me on this is that when it comes to when it comes to your business or your client's business email is really personal and so it's much harder to get right than creating a piece of a, a blog content for a, a blog for example because it's their voice and it's how you're positioning their company and how you're talking directly to their customers. You can't rely, rely on AI to do that for you. You have to be deeply involved in the creation of the emails. So yes, it can inspire you in terms of how to structure your sequences, how to structure the emails themselves, but ultimately to be in there making sure that it's speaking like your company and that customers who you're sending to are actually going to get value from those emails. Um, in terms of other things that you can use AI for, there's loads of room. I don't, I'm not an expert in this, but I know there's a load of room for automation for the AI reading into your metrics for previous email campaigns, pinpointing to exactly what was effective on, la on the last email you sent or the last sequence, and then giving you recommendations on how to tweak the email. Um, in terms of specific tools to do that, I'm, I'm not sure, but I know that it's out there and I know that Tools like Clavio and MailChimp are working on AI features that do exactly that, like data-driven recommendations for your email campaigns. Yeah, I think that's going to be really, really exciting to see. And I'm also excited to see how the emails end up being tailored to people depending on the actions, the actions yeah. that they take. Um, we've had another great question asking about like conversational chat AI and how marketing teams are using that. Like, I guess asking kind of what's the point now Tim I know you use conversational AI quite a lot to brainstorm which is something I do as well but before I kind of share my opinion I'd sort of love to know the type of ways that you use it because I feel like you use it quite high level um so yeah please yeah, tell us I, I really love it for brainstorming so if there's something that's I, th I think I mean this this also works for email I, I just completely back up what Andy said like your email content 
only works if you've built a relationship and a sort of a track record with that person. If you're sending out bland, you know, chat GPT type stuff and someone reads that and they're like, this is garbage. You then got a massive fight on your hands to get that person's trust back. And I just, it's not, it's not worth it for the, for the length of an email. But I, I know one of the things that I love doing in email is, is coming up with a sort of a unique hook or a, a different angle or trying to be a little bit weird. And sometimes if you're tired and it's 4.30 on a Friday, that can be really difficult to do. Whereas if you take an email that's worked and throw it into chat GPT and be like, dude, I'm struggling, help me. I need to come up with an idea to promote this webinar. And I really like this type of thing. It's really great at coming up with those initial ideas which get you over the blank page thing coming up with some creative stuff that you can then work from and it's not that you're necessarily going to use it to write the email for you but just that getting over that the the blank page is always the hardest bit right that blinking cursor and that email uh, editor is just it's difficult to come up with something from scratch when you're tired but chat gpt is so good at that yeah definitely definitely it's yeah I, i use it for that all the time whenever i'm like Obviously, everybody at Explosion Ninja works remotely. So we don't really have that luxury of being able to work, walk over to a colleague and ask them for advice. But then also, it's not always appropriate to walk over to a colleague and ask for advice. People are off or they're plugged in or they're busy. And it is nice to be able to just go into something like ChatGPT or Claude and just brainstorm. Because quite often, it will come out with something that I'm like, that was so obvious and it's so good. And then I'll riff off that for ages. So it just kind of makes that whole process quicker and you're not really leaving your workflow as much as you are when you end up going and talking to somebody and then they're like, oh, I was just going to pop to the shop. Do you want to come with me? Let's go for a walk. And then that's like such a longer time. I'm not saying never have any human connection ever. I'm just saying that on some occasions- It's not at work. Yeah. (laughs) On some occasions, this does work really well. Uh, We've got time for a couple more sort of quick discussions based on some great questions that have been asked on our live stream. If you're listening to this on catch up, um, feel free to leave any questions in the comments if you're on YouTube or in the reviews on your podcast platform of choice. So we've had a question about are Jasper or Surfer still worthwhile AI tools, which is very interesting because I use Surfer, but I haven't used Jasper for a while. I don't know if either of you know anything about this. Maybe Andy, you have a bit of an opinion um, perhaps, or maybe neither of you have really used these tools much. I I am about to start testing Jasper again with its plugin for Surfer SEO. And the reason, so Jasper's been on a bit of a journey. When it was released, everybody loved it and they thought it was amazing and people were raving about it. It then dipped and everybody was like, oh, it's actually not that useful anymore. And we stopped using it and now we're using Claude or ChatGPT. But the word on the street is that Jasper's upgraded massively over the last couple of months and now is a bit of a beast. So I am in the middle of testing that again to see what it's like because combining Jasper and Surfer SEO would be great, especially if you're a small marketing team and you're trying to generate lots of content and you just need a tool to say, is this optimized for SEO? I'm moving in the right direction with it. Um, it would be really useful combination of those two tools. So. At this point, I'm not sure whether it's worth it. We need to test it a bit more and see what it's like. Some copywriters have commented that they also are going to start testing it again as well. So we'll, we'll see. 
yeah, I use Surfer. Sorry, Tim. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay. Um, I use Surfer for every piece of content, and I think regardless of the AI stuff, I just like it because it stops that blank page syndrome. Because I do, some people find that the interface really intense, whereas I like it because I feel like it gamifies the content process for me. Um, and I do know in the content marketing channel we have at Exposure Ninja, I've heard a lot of people kind of say, are you still using Jasper or what are you kind of, have you tested out this aspect of um, of Surfer? So I think because these two names come up so often together, I'm really excited to see what they can do together. Um, Tim, what were your thoughts? I was just going to say that, in general, I think the category of like GPT-4 wrapper tools, like all these tools basically use the underlying large language model of ChatGPT or or Claude or whatever, and they just basically have a, a, a dedicated interface and that's their, their business model. And I know initially Jasper got lots of traction because people didn't really know about GPTs until ChatGPT came out. And then it was like, oh yeah, crap. And I know Sam Altman from OpenAI thinks that there is a sort of finite lifespan on some of these GPT-4 wrapper tools. I'm not convinced because I actually think that part of the benefit of using these tools is the fact that they have an interface which is tailored for the specific use case. And just ChatGPT's blank text box can be quite intimidating. You don't really know how to use it, whereas all of these wrapper tools actually help you use the, the, the tool and get the most out of the large language model. So I don't know what the future will be, but like Andy sort of alluded to, the market is changing so quickly you know just this week chat gpt has gone and put a load of pdf chat gpt plugins out of business by building that natively into its into into chat gpt and i think the danger is with any of these that the next version of chat gpt or claude or bard builds in this functionality so i'd say test it but don't sign any long contracts we get a manual we get a monthly pass rather than an annual pass because you never know I like that. That sounds like sounds like a good plan. We've talked a lot about AI tools that we use to help us with our marketing, but we haven't quite touched on just yet how some of the AI strides that are happening might impact marketers. For example, Google's search generative experience. Now, Tim, I think you have a webinar coming up with some exciting news about SGE. I don't know if you could kind of give us a little a little pitch on why people should attend that and also just a little bit about why SGE is so important before before we wrap up. Yeah, totally. So SGE is Google's attempt to build AI into its search results, a bit like how Microsoft Bing has got Bing Chat, which is ChatGPT built into its search results. Um, SGE is search generative experience. It's Google's version of this. And Google are pretty bullish that this is the future of search. They have built a model of this, which you can test if you have access to search labs, if you're a total search geek and you like signing up for beta stuff and you're based in the US and you're using Chrome, then you can use SGE. We've been playing with it a lot. We've figured out some ways to get ranking in it, which is great news because it does use slightly different ranking factors to regular search. And in the demos that they're showing at the moment that you can play with, SGE is really dominating the search results. Um, so this, if, if they do roll it out in its current form, this is going to be a huge, huge change to the world of SEO and to the world of search and potentially to how people use search. So we've got a webinar on Thursday, which you can watch on the Exposure Ninja YouTube channel, which is a breaking down how SGE works. Uh, we're going to be showing some before and after ranking case studies as well. Um, some of the first that we've seen. And we're going to be breaking down ranking factors too. So uh, definitely check out that 
it will be, um, yeah, potentially this is the next generation of search. This is a new battlefield for us SEOs. So very excited to be sharing yeah. that stuff. It's definitely a must see. And you can register for that webinar at the link on the screen below or the link that's just been posted in the comments. So I think we should wrap up by, we've got a fantastic question in the live chat asking if you could recommend only one AI tool to marketing and sales teams, and you can't say Bard, Claude, or ChatGPT, which one would you recommend starting with you, Andy? Oh, that's a difficult question. Do you need time to think? Because I, when you, you were both talking, I was thinking about my, I was thinking about my answer. So what, <laughs> which ones can't I include? Bard, Claude, or ChatGPT? Oof. Um... I would probably say perplexity then, because that is going to be, that's an alternative to ChatGPT, Claude and Bart. <laughs> I think ultimately you should have an AI chat assistant in your life. And if you don't, you are missing out currently, because just think about every day you're sat at work and you're coming across problems and you need to think of ideas and so on. Just ask your AI assistant, help it, you know, to learn more about you, to guide you on what you want to do next. And I think it's just a fantastic tool to be using. So if I can't choose them, I'm choosing perplexity um, because I really like I really like it and I think I'll probably use it more and more. Um, but I can give you a second one as well, which is quite a good one, which is Prompt Perfect. Okay. So Prompt Perfect is a tool which turns your very average prompt, like write me a blog about uh, digital marketing, into an optimized prompt that you can then put through other chat tools, AI chat tools. And the whole point of that is to be to give you a better outcome from the from the AI tool. So give that a give that a shout. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I think my answer to this question, although I haven't tried it out yet, is rewind. Um, I think it might be rewind.ai, maybe, or I'm sure you can search it. Tim is typing right now and we'll find that for you. Um, and basically it's quite similar to things like grain, but it records a lot of things that go on in your day, whether that's conversations, things on your PC, so that when you get to the end of the day and you're like, oh my gosh, what what was said earlier? Like we always have this in video production meetings, somebody comes up with an amazing idea and words something so well. And then I'll be like, oh, could you just repeat that for me? And um, nobody can remember the exact words. And so I think something like this is really helpful. They're also um, sort of, bringing about some wearable tech. So they have kind of a, I don't know what, what it's actually called on here, but it's almost like a necklace that records all your conversations throughout the day, which sounds very suspicious and a bit questionable, but they're, before they're releasing it, they're doing all these things. For instance, um, there'll be a light on it that shows when you're recording or it will be able to identify people's voices and not record them if they haven't given verbal consent which is very, very interesting. And um, they're also creating this pin badge that's also kind of does a similar thing. So yeah, it's all very interesting, but I am quite intrigued to learn more about this and find out more about it. I think there's loads and loads of use cases on the website. Um, it's just a case of I have not got rounds to actually playing with it yet. I think it looks looks pretty neat. Um, Tim, what would be what would be your number one? Oh, I'm, really, I'm, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to say the ChatGPT phone app, which I know is still ChatGPT. <laughs> that is so cheated. But it allows you to talk. Uh, if you've got the Plus account, you can talk and you get an, an audible answer. And oh, it's just so amazing. It really brings it to life. And I think it helps. it's helped me realize that actually 
as working adults, we have learned how to use search engines. There is actually a learning curve to using a search engine. With ChatGPT, you, there is no learning curve. If you wanna, you don't have to think about like, what is the Boolean description for what I'm trying to work out? You don't have to think about it. You just give this long rambly question. It just gives you a great answer. So that's been a real, I'm surprised how much of a difference speaking to it and hearing a voice back has made, but I really like the ChatGPT phone app. Sorry, that that's really just... interesting. No, I like that. And I think um, if you're struggling to figure out how to use AI in your marketing, I would say give it a go in your day to day life. There's so much you can do with it to improve your life that then that will help you get inspiration for how it can improve your marketing. For instance, I know that I want to improve my diet. I struggle to think of meals to make. I struggle to like have crossover ingredients so I don't waste stuff. So I asked ChatGPT, I was like, could you make me a list of seven meals that share ingredients? Not too many because we don't want to get bored. And could you include some of these? Because I like them. And that's just totally revolutionized my weekly shop and is going to have, as long as the food isn't awful, a really great impact on my life. So think about ways like that, that you can use it in your day-to-day life and then see how that can translate to your work or maybe the reverse it's not just all about it's not just all about marketing folks you've got to take care of you as well <laughs> you do but i mean i mean that's a great example of the disruption that's coming right there's an entire industry that has been designed to fulfill that request that you've just said jess and you've just bypassed the whole thing with chat gpt i don't want to make you feel bad but you know that <laughs> <laughs> that's you know that's recipe sites that's recipe books that's nutritionist consultations like this is gonna upend so much isn't it i i think it's i find it difficult to comprehend the amount of change that is coming over the next few years as this technology seeps into every nook and cranny of our society and our economy it's gonna be wild <laughs> it is but very very exciting think that's all we've got time for today but of course if you are listening or watching this on catch up feel free to leave comments or thoughts in the um comments on youtube or in your lovely five star reviews for us on um our podcast of course as always you can request a free marketing view from exposioninja.com slash view and if you're interested to find out how to rank in search generative experience on google when that finally rolls out you should sign up for, for our webinar The link was posted in the comments and I believe it will also be added to the description down below. And it's also scrolling across the screen right now. Andy, Tim, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I think a lot of people got a lot out of this. It's been really fun to just kind of freeform talk about about AI and answer a lot of questions. I hope you've enjoyed being here today. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Thanks for having us, Jess. Good. And we will catch you next week, same time, same place. See you later all. Bye. Bye.